Welcome to the 11th episode of the UNW Flock Talk podcast. The I think this is the fourth one over Zoom now, Wyatt, if I'm correct. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> Before we get too deep into the podcast here, just want to take a quick moment to recognize our sponsor. If you're looking or seeking guidance for achieving a higher education or insight on life as a nurse, check out Ashley Luann Lay on YouTube. You can find a link to her channel at rallynetwork.net. Or by searching Ashley Luann K on YouTube, you won't want to miss out on subscribing to her educational content. So go check her out and let's get rolling. We've got myself, Tyler Crabb, and Wyatt Morell here as usual. And we were going to start with the lacrosse, but we've got a special guest here to talk about the best moments in UNW sports over the last decade that we released. Uh, I think it was on Thursday. And we got the results back and we've been. Uh, We've mentioned it last week, and we brought in Ryan Mitchell, who used to call games on the Remnant and currently calls games on the Eagle Sports Network, but he's been around a lot of these moments at Northwestern. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, anytime. And we're gonna, we're just going to jump right into it and get into the bracket. Uh, we're going to start with that one versus 32 matchup, the UNW women's volleyball team and their final four run in 2016. It went up against the 32 seed Brooke Lipinski, and she accomplished two NCCAA All-American seasons with women's tennis. And uh, as the one seed UNW women's volleyball, I took this one pretty uh, handedly, 94% of the vote to uh, the volleyball team in that matchup. Any surprises there, guys? No, no, no. Uh, that That's not a big surprise at all. I guess the question should be, is that deserving of the number one overall seed? Is that going to be the favorite throughout this bracket? Hmm, interesting. Ryan, what, do you thought, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, obviously no surprise there. I'm sure that no one's surprised to see that lopsided result. And uh, I think that could go a long ways. I think they're a strong case for number one seed wide. I don't know if they deserve to be the one, but I, I can't argue with the you know selection committee making them the number one. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. This would this was probably one of the bigger surprises to me, the sixteen versus seventeen matchup. And um I don't I don't know about the moments themselves, but just because when you see sixteen seventeen you think obviously close matchup there, but uh the sixteen seed was the men's basketball team upsetting St. John's in the NCAA tournament. Ryan, I know that you and Caleb Sowers got out and were able to call that game. Uh, up at St. John's in their place. And then the 17 seed was the men's tennis team winning the UMAC championship in 2018. And the basketball upset ran away with this one, 90% to 10% in this matchup. Ryan, I know that you got to call that basketball game. I don't know about the uh, tennis, but I assume that uh, I, I assume you have pretty fond memories of the basketball one. Yeah, I'll touch on the tennis in a second, but yeah, the basketball one, I mean, that was a night to remember, March the 1st, and the madness was starting pretty quickly, even though it was only a day into the month, if you will, and just the run of emotions from the week as a whole, it's less than a week after the, you know, UMAC final game against Scholastica, where it's another overtime game, and you just, over the years, you kind of expect to see Northwestern in the NCAA spot, but just understanding that they came from a spot where they were this close to not being there. And then on Friday night, not only did they get into the tournament, guys, but just Monday when everyone on campus is celebrating the win still from Saturday night, then you see they go to the closest destination possible. So it's like, okay, 
We understand St. John's is really good. They're number eight in the country, but it's bringing a boatload of people down there. And, you know, these guys have been in moments like these before. Mm -hmm. Let's just see what happens type of a thing. And I remember Anderson Bazile Jr. telling me, he told me on Tuesday, he said, Ryan, we saw the film. We know how to shut them down. We're winning. And we're winning big. It's not going to be close. I'm like, okay, all right. You guys know Anderson. He's a big talker. He's not one to shy away <laughs> from anything. Uh, but he yeah. was right. And, I mean, man, what a night. And I was lucky enough, like you said, to be able to be on the call with Caleb. We had a ton of fun on the other side of the gym, looking straight across to our group of fans. And then seeing everything go down that night, that was just crazy. And that second half of three ball after three ball, dagger after dagger, started to knock down St. John's until eventually they were on the mat and they had to tap out with a few minutes left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I tell you, Ryan, when you talk about Anderson saying, we're not just going to win, we're going to win big. He'll speak his mind, but you're, you're right. He was exactly right. Northwestern seemed to dominate that game from start to finish. They had the perfect game plan and man, that was a fun game to be at and watch. Uh, and what's funny about it is the St. John's students weren't even there because they were already on their spring break trip. Uh, I don't remember where they were in Florida or something. So we kind of had the home court advantage almost. So that's mm -hmm. uh, certainly a great memory. I think I'd like to see it potentially go up against somebody else in the second round because it's going to be tough to knock off the final four run. But it, it is mm -hmm. a great memory from this past decade. Um, mm -hmm. Another one that you had a pretty uh, – I guess you weren't necessarily involved with this one. Uh, I want to go down to the bottom half of this side of the bracket. When Noah Alm scored 41 points in that game against uh, Bethany Lutheran, and I don't know if you remember, Ryan, but you were currently on the Weekly Wyatt show at the time, and we had Anderson and Alm call in that. That was a pretty great memory for me during my time uh, at the Remnant. And, man, what a performance from Noah Alm. Did you think that was a shock that he was able to take down the women's tennis repeating uh as conference champions or, or do you think Alm deservingly with the 41 points maybe should have been even seated a little bit higher yeah they're two tough teams to compare I would say Wyatt and you know Noah's performance I think how it sets apart is it's very historically relevant over the history of the athletic department so you can set aside that performance as itself and that's not to say that what the women's tennis club does and what what do you say it was exactly winning three straight UMass titles yeah from uh, 2014 to 16 they won three in a row yeah and, and that's very impressive but I don't know if you go back to those times if it was even really any great competition for Northwestern if you're winning a conference though for three straight years I don't care who your competition is that's tough to do obviously but because you can set that aside as a performance that really stands alone if you will I mean tying for the record I guess stands alone with one other performance whoever else scored 41 I don't know when that happened but just that was kind of Noah's coming out party too wide. And you mentioned having him on the radio later that night. And I remember, didn't you get Anderson on the phone first? And then you asked for Noah and you said, you got to get Noah. And he was kind of shy at first, but then eventually he was willing to come on. Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly how it played out, but I just remember Anderson saying we can get him on. And then we found a way to do it. And they were like in the back of the bus, uh, yeah. And they were like sharing headphones or something to do it. But no, that was, that was certainly a cool memory. That's funny. Uh, real quick, just staying on that same side of the bracket, getting to the closest matchup of that round, the five versus the 28. Uh, kind of surprising to me that the 28 pulled up one of the closest matches here. But the five seed, Coach Gish, Coach Taylor Gish, and his NCCAA 
championship in the hammer throw. We'll make that correction here. We forgot to we got a little typo on Twitter when we put up the poll. And he, he reminded us, but uh, we're giving this credit uh, for winning the hammer throw and the weight throw in 2011. And that went up against the 28 seed, which was the UNW baseball team and their upset win over St. Scholastica in 2016, which was the first time they'd beaten Scholastica since 1998. So uh, that voting was 55 to 45 in favor of Coach Gish. Wyatt, were you a little surprised at, A, either the fact that this was as close as it was, or B, the fact that uh, there wasn't an upset here? You know, I'll be honest, I'm not that surprised because I have a feeling most of the baseball guys that voted in this bracket specifically voted for that one uh, in that <laughs> matchup to keep it as close as it was because I think Gish's accomplishment is a little bit uh, more impressive, and that's why he yeah. is the five seed. That is going to be a great second-round matchup with him against Alm, though. I'm in interested to see where the people want to lean there, but uh, if it was me, I'd probably say Gish deserves to advance for sure the next round, and we'll see how far he makes it, but no, that was the closest one. We didn't have a ton. I mean, yeah, you look, there are certainly – it's very top-heavy. So that's why I'm more interested just to get to kind of like the quarterfinals and semifinals. And, Ryan, another moment that's kind of up there at that top part of that bracket, what year would you have been when my brother hit that game winner against St. Thomas? I wasn't at Northwestern yet, unfortunately. You weren't even at Northwestern so yet. Because that was March of 2015, correct? Yes. So I would have been a junior in high school still. Wow. Junior even. How old do you think I how old do you think I am, Wyatt? Wow, you're right. Because I would have been a sophomore. No, no, I just I didn't realize you are the one I was of us a who graduated already. So Yeah, exactly. We're we're still trying to graduate and you're you're no longer at Northwestern. But, I showed up in twenty sixteen. I'm just getting ready to graduate. Man, I just didn't think I was a sophomore in high school when that happened. Wow, time flies. But anyways, <laughs> um, when you look at that compared to the other top seeds that we have placed in this bracket, is that your favorite as we move forward? It's tough because, you know, in sports, I love a journey more than anything and where you can point to multiple moments to get to that pinnacle, like going back to the win over St. John's. It wasn't just that you beat St. John's. It was where you'd come in just a week where your season was almost over. You beat Glasgow and then you lose your leading scorer, Brady Peterson, is on the bench with a torn ACL and you still blow out a top team in the country. So that whole thing. So then when you compare the volleyball versus the shot, if you will, or whatever your brother more affectionately calls it, I don't know if he has a better name for it. Um, <laughs> but that one moment was exceptional. And I unfortunately wasn't at Northwestern at the time to kind of see the ride throughout that season, if you will, leading up mm -hmm. to that game, but a run to the final four, especially the fact that Northwestern that year had three regional games in the Erickson Center and in the Sweet 16, they're facing the number one team in the country in Cal Lutheran, who won the national title the year before. And then in volleyball, it's actually at one site for the Elite Eight and goes on for the rest of the tournament. Then they win another one. I remember watching in the dorm and I'm like, I don't know how much longer – if they go to the Natty on Saturday, we might have to find a way to get down there. And I think it was in Michigan, I want to say, like Grand Rapids, Michigan, it wasn't, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, it I, was not that far away. It was pretty close. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and I can, I can double-check that here while I'm talking here. But just that whole duration of that season and the journey that it was to get 
all the way to the final four. My apologies, it was in Oshkosh, so it wasn't Grand Rapids, Michigan, but not not a terrible journey, obviously. So that's a tough yeah. one. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell anyone either way that there's a perfect answer, but mm-hmm. I'm one that kind of gets caught in the journey of sports. So I would lean a little bit towards volleyball, especially because I mean, on top of it, for that season, you have the national national coach of the year in the national year mm-hmm. i mean how many teams can say that first ever final four and then coach of the year and player of the year Lindsay mm-hmm. peterson and beth wilmoth that was unbelievable that team was really phenomenal and <clears throat> for the moment for your brother wyatt i wanted to take a minute and thank one of our fans like, i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher his name so maybe one of y'all maybe you can help yeah, me wyatt. Gosh. Out here um uh, so i'm not sure if we Jeske, want- maybe i don't know for sure he posted the video of your brother's shot on Twitter for us. Yeah, that was uh, that was wins. Josh. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm probably going to screw up his last name, and I apologize for that, but I wanted to thank him for sending that video because one of the things about a moment that I think gets totally underlooked is the announcing behind it, and I assume that he was the one on the call for it, and he did a great job with that call, too. Uh, if you haven't seen the video – uh, he tweeted it at us, so you can go check that out. It's un- it's a tweet under the initial announcement of the bracket. It was fantastic job, Josh. Uh, appreciated you sending us that so that we could uh, view that video because I technically had never actually seen the video of it. So I had just known that okay. he'd hit a game winner. So that was pretty cool, and I thought he did a great job on the call for that. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But um, just – Maybe to highlight a few more matchups here, real quickly. Yeah, go right. ahead, Ryan. You got some. I was, I just gonna ask. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you real quickly why. I'd imagine a you were there, correct? You were at that game. I was. <laughs> okay, and then what was the atmosphere like there, and how would you compare it to the St. John's game as far as number of fans? And you just talked about how the St. John's game almost felt like a home game. Was there any feeling like that with – it was a neutral site for both squads. So you're into Pierre, Wisconsin at St. Norbert's playing against St. Thomas. What do you remember about that night in the gym, specifically at the end of the game? Honestly, I remember it being more of an actual neutral site. It didn't seem like either team had more fans than the other. Uh, the St. Norbert student section was actually starting to fill in during the second half. So it was like a sea of white on the other side of the gym. And um, they actually were more so rooting for us because they wanted to play us over St. Thomas at the time. So when he hit the shot, they kind of all went crazy as well. And they were happy for (laughs) us or whatever you may call it. Um, There was a lot of commotion when the shot went in. I just remember people were high-fiving each other, hugging each other. There was a lot of stuff going on. If you watch the video, Coach Gross actually runs out to half court realizes where he is turns back around and goes back to the bench to go shake uh the tommy's head coach's hand so he got caught up in the the moment um yeah it was it's one of those moments you'll never forget i would say the atmosphere in general was better at the saint john's game because we did have more people there since it was a closer trip but the victory over saint thomas is more meaningful i think for the program considering it was the first one and in the fashion that they accomplished it in Mm -hmm. Yeah, gotcha. And special. it was a Morel who hit the shot. So, you know, that makes it more specific. <laughs> for, significant for me, right at least. Yeah. Yeah. For me, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> just, just highlight a few more matchups here. Just highlight the, the closer ones on the other side of the bracket. Wyatt, I know that you were a part of both of these moments in the 10-23 matchup. We had Tyler Osborne breaking the all-time hits record for the Northwestern baseball team. You had that going up against the men's basketball team and their four-overtime victory against St. Scholastica. 
in the UMAC championship in 2017. Wyatt, we, we highlighted that four-overtime game, I feel like, quite a few times when we went up to Duluth to call the game against uh, St. Scholastica on their senior day with Colin Anderson because he was the kid who had just hit, like, three buzzer beaters to continue to make that game go on. Uh, were you surprised that, A, Osborne was able to hold on in that one, and, B, how close it actually was? Yeah, so we were uh, tagging people or teams on Twitter during the uh, bracket when we were releasing the matchups. And I think what really helped Oz out was that he retweeted the tweet and then he had some other buddies like it and start voting on it. So he got a lot of extra votes through that. Um, I felt mm-hmm. bad putting the four overtime game at 23, but when I was looking through some of the other accomplishments compared to just the one game, I just didn't know where else to put it and fit it in. So these were two really good teams, I would say, in a tough matchup in the opening round. Ryan, I mean, obviously you were on the play-by-play. I was your color guy that night. It was an unbelievable game. But I just felt like I couldn't put it any higher than 23 just because it was the one game only. Yeah, it's tough. That's that's a tough one for the selection committee, if you will. And that one could maybe have a little bit of scrutiny, but I, I don't totally fault the decision to do that and you know it's a whole culmination versus single night single moment thing once again where for us I mean that's a whole you know career achievement even though it didn't happen until it was his final season correct this is his final game when he got the hit final game final yeah so you could really say though that's been something as soon as he stepped on campus he was building towards that with every rep in the cage every practice and to have that, you know, come in his final game, like you're saying, I mean, that's that's incredible. It may, some people say, just be one moment, but it's so much hard work and a bigger, you know, encompassing thing that went into it. But, yeah, I mean, that four-overtime game is obviously something else and just another classic edition of Northwestern versus Scholastica and hopefully mm-hmm. one of many more that will be added over the next couple of years between those two squads. Absolutely. One more matchup here, and then we're going to, uh, let Ryan get on with his day, but the 14 versus 19 seed. This one got a lot of help from the men's golf Twitter page. They tweeted it out uh, trying to get their moment. They were the 19 seed with their 2016 UMAC championship. They went up against Sydney Schwitters and her 2018 NCAA statistical championship for assists in volleyball. And that was the closest matchup of the uh, first round. 53% of the votes to Schwitters, 47 to men's golf. Uh, obviously, both huge accomplishments. Uh, and the, we want to salute the golf team for uh, trying to get their, uh, their moment to win. Uh, but any takes from you guys on that one? I would say, uh, I mean – it, that's where you're comparing a personal accomplishment versus a great team accomplishment. And it's really hard to compare them. So I'm always interested to see what sways people and which way they like to vote. And based on what we've seen in the first round, at least in some situations, we've seen the player get the nod and advance and move on. Um, even in the 11-22 matchup, Coach Wilmoth was coach of the year. She got that nod over a conference championship. So people mm-hmm. tend to like the player accomplishments a little bit more. I mean, Ryan, you were around. You would have been a senior her freshman year. So um, did you call any volleyball games your senior year? I did do a couple, yeah. Not okay. as many as you did, but I did do a couple here and there, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean – 
it's a tough one for me. It doesn't surprise me about the outcome and it doesn't surprise me. It was that close. Um, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I mean, do you have anything to add on that one specifically, Ryan? Yeah. You know, I think for a couple of these, it's interesting to look at, you know, the UMAC doesn't get a lot of love nationally across division three. I mean, you know, you, mm-hmm. you guys and I like to think that it's better than some people give it credit for across multiple sports. But yep. for some of those, you talk about, you know, coach Wilmoth versus the conference champions. And then this one you're talking about with Sydney getting the nod. When you say just NCAA, you just say NCAA leader. I mean, that, that just itself without any other information kind of takes it to another level where you beat out all of your comrades or competitors, if you will, across the country who were trying to do the same thing you were trying to do. So that I think takes it to another level, not to take away Mm -hmm. from the team accomplishment, like you're talking about wide. And that's a interesting element with individuals versus a team. But Mm -hmm. I got to admit, I voted for Sydney on that one as well. To me, that was just largely impressive and, you know, got a little bit more of a nod because it's an NCAA award. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I gotta, I, I gotta add one more matchup before we let you go, Ryan, because um, this is one of my favorite memories from being a part of the remnant when Ben Lyons hit the 55 yard field goal and Caleb Sowers absolutely just lost his mind on the call. He was just screaming and going crazy. Um, <laughs> that's one of the more impressive accomplishments that a player can have, I think, within their sport is mm-hmm. hitting a 55 yard field goal. So how far do you think he could go in this bracket? And just how impressive is that? Well, I think something to factor in, like you guys have touched on a little bit is how much help does he get on social? You know, if you take at UNW football and you get some people going, there's some very active people mm-hmm. I'm sure on Twitter who are alumni at Northwestern football and can push him forward and Say he's still a popular guy. I mean, isn't he still kicking in Hungary or somewhere? I don't know where he is exactly now. I don't know if he still is. I know he was. I know he was. It was a tough matchup for him, though, because he went up against another football moment, too. Because he went up against Peyton Bowdry's 99-yard touchdown run. So that was was tough for the uh, football team, I feel like. I know that Daryl Miles tweeted at us and was like, I can't believe you guys are making me choose between these in the first round. Uh, but, you know, two really awesome moments. And as someone who was on the team, it was really fun to uh, watch Ben. And, you know, he he always put in lots of uh, work when he came out to kick and stuff like that. And so for him to reach that accomplishment was really awesome. Well, yeah, and the Peyton run, though, if I remember, he basically broke one tackle. And by the time he got to the eight or nine yard line, like no one was near him. I mean, not he to was- take anything away from a 99-yard touchdown, but he basically ran most of the field with no one within a couple yards of him. So he made it yeah. look easy. And that's that's obviously a credit to Peyton in the offensive line of like on that mm-hmm. play. But, I mean, to kick a 55-yarder, we see the, you know, failures in pro football and Division One college football of kickers. At the D3 level to do that on a November day in Minnesota, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. That may have given Ben Lyons a leg up in getting a job overseas to kick. I mean, who would have thought <laughs> if you told him when he walked into Northwestern, you're going to be playing professional football in Europe. I mean, that's you that's crazy. for the Bears. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, anyways, Ryan, we we want to thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking through some of these matchups with us. And uh, we want to thank everyone for voting on these matchups too. The second round, I think, as Wyatt tweeted out there, will be on Monday. Uh, so you can go vote on those on Monday. We appreciate every everyone's uh, participation and we would love to see that continue yeah thanks for coming on ryan yeah thanks for having me guys we're excited to see where this thing goes
All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. We'll talk to you later, man. Um, With that, I guess we can transition over to the second part here of the podcast, which is going to be honoring the lacrosse seasons, correct? Yeah, for sure. That's I think that's the one team that we have not covered as of now. Uh, So we'll give them their due credit. We will, again, we want to say that we're not, uh, not thinking about you guys and stuff like that by pushing you back. Don't, get us mistaken with that just we want to uh we we want we had the bracket and we had the guests so we wanted to make sure that we honored our guest time and we mm-hmm. still want to give you your time but we'll maybe even touch on lacrosse next week if we don't um hit it very well here Wyatt um but I'll let you start and I'll let you even take your pick as to uh which lacrosse team you're going to talk about Well, being on the baseball team, uh, I certainly didn't have a ton of time to follow either team. Um, I'll talk about the women's team, and you can take the men's team if you want. Um, I think the first thing that's important to mention about the women's team is they got some important uh, news or good news this week. Talia Sherry was named – I'm trying to think of what the official title is for here. I'm going to see if I can find it. But she won a (laughs) big-time award uh, for the UMAC for the 2020 season. So that would be the one thing, the UMAC scholar athlete leadership award. So that's pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that they had a member of their oh, team yeah. and, and it's well-deserved. She's had a mm-hmm. great uh, career at Northwestern uh, on the field, two sport athletes. So well-deserved for her. That's great news for her and the team. So I think we got to mention that right off the bat. Oh, sure. And then uh, you know, there's, o- there's only so much to talk about with this team because they only had two matches. They had a couple of exhibitions that they played but only two matches otherwise. And they both did not go very well in which they lost two to 21 and two to 20. So there's only so much you can really say about this team. I think if you would have gave them more time and let them get in the conference play, it would have been a different Mm -hmm. story, but um, it'll be interesting to see if anybody wants to use an extra year and come back for them, uh, what they have Mm -hmm. coming in, looking forward to next year. There's just not a whole lot there to work with, with this team. Yeah, unfortunately, they were just a young team this year, too. Um, I don't have the roster currently pulled up, but I believe that Talia Sherry was the only senior on the squad. Um, They had, I believe it's, let's see, that's two or three juniors, too. So they were. Yeah, she's the only senior that I'm seeing. Yeah, and I think I saw, I think I saw two juniors on the whole roster, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So that, that's also tough, too. You have a really young squad. Um, you know, lacrosse is something that's trying to become bigger. Um, so you wonder how much experience some of these players had, too, just because lacrosse is, as a sport in Northwestern is relatively new. Um, they're trying to get the interest levels up. So I would also just point to that and say that that could have been a hindrance um, as well. So, yeah, I was going to uh, say uh... – that it is a newer sport, like you said, Ty. And so that's part of the reason, too. If you were to look at our bracket, there's not any memories or moments from lacrosse. It's because they've only been going for about two, three years. So they're still yeah. trying to get it up and running, and it takes a little bit to do that in any program. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure they'll be fine. And this certainly doesn't help that they don't get to play this year. No. But, uh, you know, they'll look forward to taking the field again next year and building mm-hmm. off of what they can. For sure. Uh, for the men's side of things, I know Travis Sanders, the coach, was very excited about the uh, upcoming season. Um, he had every reason to be, given the three games that they got in, undefeated. Uh, they finished the season 3-0. and They played at the Illinois Institute of Technology and won that game 21-7. to 
Uh, so dominant win there to start the season. Noah Vandercoy uh, scored three straight unanswered, uh, unassisted goals too uh, in the first quarter, and they just ran away with that one. Um, the second and third matchup, they both won those games 12 to eight. They beat University of Dubuque uh, in Dubuque, Iowa, and then they went over to Monmouth, Illinois, and beat Monmouth College uh, 12 to eight there too. So really good start. I believe that they have a couple of seniors. I want to say two seniors, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and yeah, they had one a grad, for sure that I can think of. They had a grad student too. Um, so I'll be interested to see what ends up happening with that situation. Yeah, Keller Steffens uh, was a senior and Cameron Hayes. It says Noah Vanderkoy was a senior too. And Aaron Treese are the, the four seniors listed. Um, I don't know if any of those guys will be able to return or not for next season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I know that we uh, have been kind of speculating and trying to guess, but we truly don't know. Um, so I know that Coach Sanders would uh, love it if they're able to return and play another season. But uh, obviously, if they can't, uh, then that's how that works. But um, you know, they showed a lot of promise this year, and they were getting ready to uh, do big things, and it looked like they were 3-0, and and I want to say this was Coach Sanders' second season uh, with the program, so obviously he came in and had things looking up right away um, as they were getting ready to uh, really get into the heart of their season. Uh, unfortunately, that got cut short, like we've mentioned on the other podcasts, but uh, Kudos to the men's lacrosse team on an undefeated 2020 season, despite it only being three games. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because when I had interviewed Dr. Hill, he made the comment to me where he said, as far as I'm concerned, our lacrosse team is national champions because they never lost. They went 3-0. and <laughs> So um, that's one way to look at it. They, they were going to have a really good year. So it is disappointing that mm -hmm. they didn't get the chance to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. They're losing a lot of firepower if none of those guys can come back because, you know, that's a a lot of production that they've had in the past years. Um, so they're going to enter an interesting time now. And it'll be interesting to see how they adapt and move forward. Next year is going to be a very big year for Coach Sanders and that squad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. With that, I think we're pretty close to wrapping up this podcast. Again, we want to encourage you guys to get out there on Monday and vote for those moments uh, in the greatest or best moment in Northwestern sports history. Uh, we're going to post those sometime on Monday. Um, we'll get that information out there to you so you can vote on that. We, we enjoyed hearing from you guys and seeing your participation. I know multiple of our polls received over 100 votes, which I was pleasantly surprised to see. I'm sure Wyatt, the same thing there. Um, we just greatly appreciate the interaction that you guys had with us, and we were very excited to see some of the results, and uh, hopefully we get a little bit closer results in this second round, but, uh, you know, It'll be fun to see what people view as the best moment as we uh, continue on here trying to produce content. Yeah, there's certainly some top-heavy moments, so uh, I think they're going to advance pretty easily until we get down to that final couple that are left. But, yeah, hopefully people continue to enjoy it, get out there and vote, and it continues to 
be a big thing. That's what we're hoping for. That's why we started it. As Ty mentioned, we'll post that on Twitter on Monday for the next round. You can check us out on Facebook as well if you'd like at UNW Flock Talk. Our website mm-hmm. is flocktalk.com, unwflocktalk.com, excuse me. So go ahead and check us out. Podcasts are on Spotify, Apple Music, or our website. And yeah, just uh, hopefully that bracket continues to take off. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And that wraps up episode number 11. Come back next week for episode number 12 when we highlight, I believe it'll probably be at least one round, probably maybe even two. We'll see, Wyatt. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Probably two, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next week.